All right. Hello there. It's uh, Kyle Cruz, and you're listening to the KC at the Movies podcast for the 5th of February, 2019. What's going on, everyone? Hope you're cooling, uh, you know, cooling down from uh, the uh, last couple of weeks weather. Um, yeah, like not melting anymore in your fucking seat. Your car's not being fucking hot boxes on wheels. Um, I was, it was so hot in the last, maybe, last week or the week before, that I just (laughs) wouldn't even get into my car to go anywhere. Um, because it was just that fucking hot. And then it did even make the effort to put the aircon on. Uh, I couldn't even, I I didn't even, didn't even want to do it. Uh, it was normally just, you know, staying home, staying in the aircon. I mean, can't even swim in the pool either because the fucking pipe's broken as well. So, that's, yeah, that's a fucking bummer as well. It's just, I don't know. I'm glad we're getting a bit of a cool down. Like, today was still a bit hot as well. Had to go dip in the bars this afternoon. But, I'm glad we're getting a bit of a cool down. I'm kind of getting sick of this fucking heat. It's really fucking shit. Um... It would be better if I could use the pool, but uh, but to have it this hot is just ridiculous. I mean, I love summer, but this is, but I really don't like being uncomfortable, and uh, this is just it's crazy how hot it is um, so far. Uh, but you know, tonight I'll be doing um, recording out here in the uh, back room. I'm not recording in the um, in the office because. I would probably melt in there. I've had to turn the fans off out here as well, so. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling good. But um, I can tell that most of my friends are looking forward to winter because just because, just because of how ridiculously, ridiculously hot it is. Um, I've got a, a few people that I know that have gone to overseas and they're coming back home and... Already wanted to go back over that, to that other country because of just how shit it is here. Weather-wise, anyway. Um, yeah, so welcome to uh, this week's podcast. Um, I thought I'd do... Now, I didn't go see Green Book because I just honestly haven't had... just had the, I haven't really wanted to go see it, to be honest. Um, I'm just going to be fully honest with you guys. I just, I just don't really feel like watching it... Um, I want to see all the Oscar nominees and it's the only movie I, I think that I'm missing out on I'm pretty sure it's the only one and I just don't it's it's been out since what January oh, like January 15th I think and I just I do not feel like watching it at all January 14th I think and I just I'm not interested just not interested in seeing it I mean I love Mahershala Ali Viggo Mortensen um, I mean, it looks fine. I mean, it's getting a lot of Oscar buzz. It, it took home the top one at the PGAs. But uh, I just haven't had the... Uh, wanted to go out and see it. It looks like... Someone described it to me as like the perfect movie to watch um, with your nan. <laughs> so, I mean, that's, I, I don't want to shit on it too much because I haven't really seen it. But that's what they described it to me as. And um, I don't know. From the trailers, I'm not really... The trailers haven't grabbed me. Um, and I just uh, don't really want to go watch it. <laughs> yeah, so um, I don't know. I'll probably go see it next week. 
but that could also be also a fucking total lie. So didn't see that, but I have been watching um, other other movies. Um, I just watched Velvet Buzzsaw twice. Um, I watched it when it came out on February first, and then I watched it again. Uh, I think it was on the weekend sometime. I believe it the Sunday. I think it was Sunday or Saturday. I think. Um, but I watched, I've seen that twice now, and I know exactly, firmly where I stand in Velvet Buzzsaw, so, I'll talk about Velvet Buzzsaw next week, um, but this week, I wanted to talk about, I'm going to start a new kind of, uh, segment thing on the, uh, podcast, as I do with, on my Instagram at the moment, um, I do the top five of each month, and top five films, and I work my way up to doing the top ten of the year, and the, and the worst five of the year. But I asked last year, I, I think it was in uh, March or April, I started doing the um, monthly recommendations. And then I moved my way to doing, to, because people just wanted more recommendations and more monthly, um, more ideas of films what to see. So I started doing my top five of the month. And then uh, that was getting, you know, I got a lot of responses for that one. And um, I do that now every month now. I just did January's. Uh, maybe a few days ago, I think I put it out. But I did January's and uh, Instagram was fucking with that four money, so I don't know what the fuck's going on there. But it's, I don't know, it's fucking, it was shitting me. It was shitting me that four money, but I can't fix it for some reason. It's really fucking weird. Can't fix it. But if you saw that, you know what my top five is. But what I want to do is, if you're a regular listener of the podcast, and uh, you know you want to get a pretty much what, get to know what I'm watching every month and pretty much what I've seen of um, from this month especially what I'm going to start doing is uh, from from tonight onwards each month I'm going to do everything I watched in that month um, so it's not going to I'm not going to run on too long because most of these things I've already talked about on the podcast but I've got I mean everything's ranked um, up to the top five here but I've also been talking about TV shows that I watched on um that I caught, and uh, even some honorable mentions and, in, and some more recommendations that I can give you guys. Um, because I want to give, I feel like I want to give people the most they can like they can get. And um, if they ha- don't like a certain film, they can watch this other film. If they don't like that film, they can try something else. Um, you know, play with a lot of different genres and, and different tastes, and give you the perfect option of what you're into, um, what you're watching. It's kind of uh, tailored to give you a, a wide variety of options to watch. So I thought it'd be interesting to um, start off this, uh, which is to do my first um, everything I watched in 2019, with January, of course. And uh, I'm going to do pretty much that. I'm going to give you every single thing I watched in January, and it wasn't much because I wasn't doing much in January, <laughs> and nothing came out. We were, we're in Oscar season now, so we're very—I don't know—we're kind of stagnant in, at the uh, at the cinema at the moment. We've got the Oscar films showing, but again, I've already seen all of them except Green Book. Um, but granted, I haven't seen the Mule yet, so I can't talk about that. But I—it's—it's um, it's pretty. I've seen Glass as well, and uh, I don't know. Nothing's really happening at the cinema at the moment. Until we get, um, I mean, not even in February, because I've already seen if Bill Street could talk as well. So, um, 
most of the things I have watched on Netflix or have um, got on demand. So there'll be a lot of that. There'll be a lot of TV shows. Um, I've got two documentaries here. And uh, yeah, we t- uh, there's there'll be a few. There might even be a few more thoughts on some movies that I wanted to express as well. But um, mostly, uh, we'll just be going through pretty much everything I've watched. So we'll, we'll start from the bottom and then we'll move to the top. And the top will obviously be my top five of the month. Um, yeah, it'll probably be that. Uh, I don't know whether to do this before I release the top five on Instagram because then you kind of get like a taste of what the top five is going to be. So maybe what I'll do is, because um, usually I do the monthly recommendations, um, maybe about half halfway through or at the end of the month. And what I'll start doing is, I'll still do the monthly recommendation, but all I'll do is I'll do the top five of that month. I'll do it at the end of um, the beginning of the month of what I'm talking about my top five of. So, for example, if I were to do January, I did my. I'm pretty sure I did my top five of January like uh, last week sometime, which is like January 31st, I believe. I'm just going to check my Instagram really quickly. Um, uh, Yeah. Yeah, four days ago. So that was, that was about uh, Friday, uh, Thursday, Friday, and that was when I because I, I don't think it was on the first of February because it was I think it was the I think it was the Thursday that I did it. And um, so what I'll do is I'll do it probably on the first or the second on the month after with what, of what uh, you know films I'm talking about in that month previous. So I'll do it after. So yeah, I I did that still in January so in February what I'll do is I'll talk about all the ones in February and then I'll um, do my top five of February or my do my everything I watched in February I'll do it on like let's say March 1st or 2nd so that's what I'll do probably for February um, this is going to be the, probably the only time I do the top release the top five first on Instagram and then do the everything I watched on the podcast but um, I'm just saying that it'll, it'll probably change in February so Let's just see how it goes. Let's fucking do it. Let's get into it. Um, I've got nine movies here, and I've got four TV shows. Um, I'm not doing games because I don't buy games much, and um, I don't really haven't really played them. I still haven't played Red Dead Redemption Two. Um, yeah, still haven't played Red Dead Redemption Two. Still haven't um, finished God of War, even from last year. I mean, I've been people have been pressing me to finish that one, but I haven't finished it yet. And uh, I'm trying to think of another big game that was from last year. I did finish Spider-Man, though. I did finish that. I finished that 100%, really. Uh, I think that's the only one I finished. But yeah, again, I don't play video games that much. I mostly watch movies and TV shows. I mean, you, you, you get what I'm doing. <laughs> if you've been listening to the podcast uh, you know, since the be- since the beginning or even around where it started, you know, um, I started being a bit more serious with it. You know what this is about. You know what I'm talking about here. You know what I what what content you'll get the most. So let's just kick it off with um, yeah at the bottom of the list, but um, let's just kick it off with the both Fire Festival documentaries. So there is a Fire Festival documentary on Netflix called Fire: The Party That Never Happened, uh, the greatest party that never happened. I believe it's called. That's the subtitle. There's one on Netflix, and then there's one on Hulu called Fire Fraud. So what I'll just do is I'll just talk about the differences between them because they're kind of the same thing. I mean, if you don't know what Fire Festival was, it was this festival that was uh, curated and cultivated by 
um, Billy McFarlane, who is this kind of entrepreneur from um, New York, I believe, New York. And uh, he got together with Ja Rule, and they pretty much just said, let's put on this mud fucking festival and do it on this island. And then, you know, shit went to fuck. And people were scammed out of millions of dollars. Uh, workers were fucked over. I mean, you can see it in the documentary. It is absolutely fascinating how insanely bad this snowballs. <laughs> this, this festival just snowballs. And I mean, it, they deserve every, every bit of it because they weren't organized in the slightest. There were many people ripped off. As, as I said, there were many people fucked over, haven't still got their money yet. Um, and, uh, you know, honestly, I think Billy McFarlane does those more jail time than what he's getting. But, um, yeah, I'll just say the Netflix one's a bit more uh, easy to watch, I think. It's very, it's presented a bit um, cleaner and um, it just looks better. And it, it covers your, your major um, events that happen during the festival. Like it covers all that stuff. And uh, it's got some really cool interviews. It's got the infamous, now infamous interview with, uh, I should say famous really, because everyone really, most people liked him. Um, like the part of the interview where Andy King talks about um, doing a certain favor, taking one for the team to get some water over from customs into the festival. And uh, everyone knows that that's gone viral. So um, there's Netflix has that, I guess, <laughs> over the Hulu one. And... Uh, and it's just I, I don't know I I just I like the Netflix one better I just think it was I was more entertained by the Netflix one, and uh, the interviews are very funny. You got a lot of interviews of um, different people. I'd say the most important people I'd say, but then you've got Fire Fraud, Hulu's one, which has interviews with other important people. Um, a lot of people from Fuck Jerry, the um, social media uh, creators, uh, the guys not creators really. Uh, the guys that, uh, you know, they, they sponsor a lot of shit. They really, uh, I guess, promoted the Fire Festival. And um, there's an interview with one of the guys from Fuck Jerry. I think he's an ex-employee now. Um, there's even an interview with Billy McFarlane's girlfriend. There's an interview with Billy McFarlane himself, in which I'll agree. He doesn't answer most of the questions. He's a bit of a fucking, you know, it's a dodger. He dodges pretty much most controversial questions that are thrown at him from the interviewer himself. But... Um, I don't know, it's still interesting to see his side of it. I still think he's a massive prick. But um, interesting to see his side of it. He does, he just sounds so fucking confident and cocky. And just the way he comes off, I was just like, yeah, you need a good punch in the face. <laughs> so I'll just say that the, the Netflix one is, I think, is better. But the Hulu one has a lot more information, particularly regarding to the um, court proceedings as well and what happened to um, most of the people after the festival finished. And it does have the interviews with McFarland and his girlfriend. So you can pick and choose which one you want there. They're kind of similar. They've got the same information. Um, but I just say the Netflix one is, is the way to go, really. Uh, right. Let's move on to Piercing. Uh, it's a film by Nicholas Pesquet. Pesquet? I don't know how you say his name, but um, I did talk about Piercing, I believe, on a um, previous podcast. I just said that the has uh, gorgeous cinematography, beautiful composition. Um, I liked Mia Wasikowska's performance. Uh, I liked her character as Jackie. Um, and, and the use of miniatures has really made the, really, the, made the film really seem so fantastical. 
but again, I was just, um, it only goes for 80 minutes, and it suddenly cuts to black, and I just wanted more from the movie, I wanted more, I felt like I was just like, just left on something that was, you know, going to be, could be interesting, but never really was executed the way uh, that I was expecting it to be. I thought it was going to be much more interesting than it was, and it wasn't, so I was a bit let down by that ending. Um, but you can check it out. Um, I believe it's playing in a few... Oh, it's probably out now by... Looking at February now, so it's probably out by the... Out of the cinemas, but, um... You know, if you, if you if you seem to get your hands on it, give it a go. It's only 80 minutes, but, um... Just know what we're getting into. It's very bizarre. It's very weird. Uh, it's about a... Uh, a guy who wants to perform the most perfect assassination on a prostitute. And I'll just say that the prostitute has other plans. I'll just say that. Um, and it's nothing really what you're expecting. It's, it actually gets very weird. Very, uh... Uh, very animated, I'll say. And, um... Yeah, it, it would just it will not go in the way that you think it would go. Um, I also watched Beautiful Boy, which was um, the uh, film made from uh, David and Nick Sheff. I believe it's David. Yeah, David Sheff. Uh, Nick Sheff was this um, struggling kind of drug addict. His father, he was, his father wanted to help him out of drug addiction. He went through a very, very, very rough time. Um, it's particularly with crystal meth, um, really a lot of drugs, but mostly crystal meth is where it starts getting bad. Um, I loved the performances from Steve Carell and Timothy Chalamet is great. Um, I thought he would get a supporting actor nomination for the Oscars, but I mean, I don't, I don't really, it doesn't really upset me that much, but, um, I thought the performances was great. I really loved Timothy's performance. I thought he was, people are saying Steve Carell's better than Timothy, but I thought Timothy was the best part of the film. Um, he's just fantastic, um, especially after seeing him from Corn by Your Name. Um, then I saw him again in Hostiles and uh, Lady Bird. I just love this. I love this kid to death. Now he's he's great, absolutely great. I don't even want to say kid. I think he's the same age as me. <laughs> so he's just he's just a fantastic actor. And um, oh man, I can't wait to see him in Dune now because he's been casted with Oscar Isaac and. I mean, what do we got there? We got Costa Rizek, Stellan Skarsgård, Charlotte Rampling. Uh, we've got fucking... I mean, who was just announced uh, earlier today? Javier Bardem, I think, was announced. Um, I mean, that cast just continues to build. And Denis is just going to make this... I mean, he could make, make, make something quite really accessible for audiences, but I believe... I mean, I have hopes that he will just make something like Blade Runner 2049 and make this three-hour epic... That won't make any money, but will just be so fucking good. Um, I mean, that that could happen, but he could go the approach where he does want to make some box office because Blade Runner did kind of flop a little, um, and it wasn't uh, it, it didn't perform how we expected it to perform. But that movie is still like fucking incredible. You I mean it doesn't discredit the film at all? That movie is amazing. Uh, yeah, so. What was I talking about? <laughs> um, Timothy Chalamet, that's right. Um, yeah, so I did like that. Um, the editing during the first half was really weird. It kind of fucked with the structure a little. I, I didn't really know what was going on at certain points. I, it, it, it skips time a lot, and it really confused me. Um, the musical store was really abrasive, really took me out of it. 
and uh, I think, I believe, I don't know if this was actually the problem, but it feels like they had trouble adapting from two different perspectives, that from uh, Nick and David Chef. So that's what it kind of feels like. I mean, kind of disjointed in the first half, but, you know, it definitely picks up in the second half, and uh, I enjoyed it more than the first. But, again, because of that, those... Uh, shortcomings in the first half, I wasn't as emotionally invested as the film wanted me to be. Um, but you know, not to say that this movie has great performances and a very like a strong, very strong subject matter that should be very taken very seriously and really thought about after watching as well. Um, there's another movie that's coming uh, that's out actually right now called Banners Back, with uh, Lucas Hedges, I believe, and Jennifer uh, Julie Roberts, I think. And uh, it's pretty much the same kind of the same premise, but it's a um, different, you know, different actors, and I think a different story. But um, about the same kind of subject matter. So I haven't seen that yet. I mean, you can't really, I can't really compare them both yet. People are comparing them both, but I can't really get on the train and then compare them both because I haven't seen Banners Back. But um, I don't know. It's, it wasn't a waste of my time, but it also like I thought it was going to be this this thing that just like propelled Timothy to be this. Um, to get like lead actor or something like that in the Oscars, it, it was a very Oscar baity trailer that I saw, and then I was it was just the it was an eh, eh, eh movie for me, so um, yeah, uh, yeah. Glass I've already talked about. I've done two fucking podcasts on Glass. Um, everyone knows my feelings on that now. Pretty much everyone knows my feelings on that now. I even did a spoiler talk with a good good friend of mine. Um, you get all the. You know what's going on. You've seen all the reviews. Yeah, you get the thoughts. Uh, number five. We're moving up now into the top five. Um, which I'll, uh, you know, I'll do the top five. I'll do th- five, four, and then the top three I'll talk about after my TV shows. So number five is uh, Anna and the Apocalypse. And it's a Christmas zombie musical (laughs) and yes that is like absolutely right it is absolutely right it is a Christmas zombie musical um it's about Anna and they go and her friends and they go to this uh this uh town I believe it's in somewhere in England Uh, I don't know the, the town is but it's Christmas and there's some zombies about you know, there's some zombies about, but you know, you get some good zombie uh, violence and uh, action and brutality. But you get some sing-alongs along the way. You get some songs. Uh, they're not as catchy as I thought they would be. Um, but then, to be honest, this movie kind of really surprised me with how um, um, how much I did care for Anna and her friends. But um, the songs are a little lackluster. Um, I think my favorite song was the. Um, Hollywood ending song was good and I liked the even though his voice wasn't that great I liked the killing zombies song <laughs> was really good too um yeah the ending was eh fine but um I don't know I thought it was good fun I wasn't wasting my time and if you want to watch a Christmas zombie musical then this is the only movie there is <laughs> that will satisfy that craving so uh, I'm glad it exists for those people that want that kind of fix um, definitely check it out. Let's get on to number four. It's um, it's Polar on Netflix. Um, 
Also, what I want to try and do is with these monthly recommendations, um, yeah, monthly recommendations, top fives, and this new podcast segment. I'm going to try and uh, mention some Netflix things um, because there's a lot of things that people can't get their hands on. If they have a Netflix account, there's a lot of things they can actually access there. And uh, I can give you some recommendations through there if you want to, if you don't want to go to the theater, or if you don't want to um, buy any DVDs or any Blu-rays, you can go on Netflix and just watch this movie. Um, but this one is already in my top five, so I don't really need to mention another Netflix thing. But again, there are other things on in the TV section that I'll get to. But uh, this is Polar. It came out on uh, January 25th, I believe. And um, it's got Mads Mikkelsen, uh, Vanessa Hudgens, Catherine Winnick, and uh, Matt Lucas is this really, really over-the-top villain. Just super over-the-top villain. It's really weird to see him. He's, I believe he's like a comedic actor, I think. I think I saw him in Little Britain. But he's like this villain, and um, it, as soon as it, I saw him on the screen, I was like, yeah, this movie is not taking itself seriously at all, but okay, let's go. Um, I was thoroughly entertained, thoroughly entertained by this movie. It relishes in its B-movie schlock, uh, it's over-the-top violence, it's ridiculous characters. Um, Mads Mikkelsen has an eye patch, um, and he... He just does some badass shit that you just be like. He honestly looks like this movie from the. If you look at like still photos, this movie kind of looks like if they made a um, Metal Gear Solid film, but like old old man Metal Gear Solid or old man Snake or something. Um, and again, I'm not really familiar with the lore of that video game, but I'll just say like old man Snake or Solid Snake or. I know there's a lot of snakes. I don't. But also, I just. I don't, I don't care. Just going off what I saw in the film. Um, but it just looked really... I don't know. Because I've played... I played the fifth one, The Phantom Pain. Um, and I finished that one. But I haven't played the ones before that. So, I mean, I can't really say much about the series. Can't I? I'm not, not really uh, entitled to, really. But um, I'm just going what I played in that game. And who as Solid Snake, who I... You know, have the eye patch and everything, and Mads Mikkelsen just pretty much looks exactly like him in this movie. Um, and it's just like so over the top. It's so stupid, and it's just it's violence. The CGI blood. It's just great. It's just great fun, and uh, it could have gone for a little shorter. It does go for two hours. It it easily could have gone for like maybe a tight ninety or an hour and forty minutes, um, but. I had a lot of fun of it. Um, I watched it about a couple of days after it came out. Had a lot of fun of it. Um, it's based on a graphic novel, so I do get its um, style of a substance. But I um, had a lot of fun of it. It's, it's uh, Maz Mikkelsen is it's, 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 he's great. He's just he's just great. I love him so much. And uh, you know Vanessa Hudgens is 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 fine. Um, there's a cool little twist at the end that I actually didn't see coming at all. So, uh, I, you know, I appreciated that, but other than that, I mean, people are going to, it's getting slammed by critics, but I just think that they're not realizing that this is just a, a great B movie that, uh, is, is probably even better when you're drunk because then you just get high on all the action because it's like, it's not crazy action. It's not great stunts. It's not really shot fantastically, but it's just really pulpy and really just blood everywhere. It just relishes it. And it's great. 
And I just think you, um, you know, it's on Netflix, so just chuck it on. Easy watch. Uh, right, before I get to my top three, let's delve into a bit of television. Because I told myself this year, one of my little resolutions relating to film and everything was I'm going to watch more TV shows. Uh, because I didn't get to watch, I mean, mostly on the part of going to film school and um, for half of the last year, I didn't really have time to watch any TV shows or watch any new ones or watch the famous ones that people are talking about. I'm, I'm of course, going to watch Game of Thrones in, in April. But uh, there's ones I'm catching up on, I'm just hearing about now. And um, I mean, I, I, the only TV shows really that I watch always on time are the Marvel superhero ones like uh, Daredevil, Jessica Jones. Luke Cage, um, Iron Fist. I mean, to be honest, I never watched Iron Fist. But uh, you know, Luke Cage and uh, the Punisher. The Punisher is on the one of the, uh, is on this list here. So um, let's get to it. Uh, so the first TV series I watched was You. Um, it started. It was a TV series that was on uh, Lifetime, I believe, and then Netflix picked it up. It's getting a season two, which I don't know why, but it's getting a season two. Um, you know, people are really lauding this as kind of like a trash kind of show. Um, I do really like the actor, I don't know his name, but I, I like the actor that played the lead. Um, I'm always interested in coming from the perspective of a stalker. And, um, yeah, like, and just seeing how, like, how weird and how you know, out there you can be with a character like that and stalking someone and just being, having them, it's brave having them as the protagonist and having that as the person that you root for. But unfortunately, the writing is fucking dog shit. Oh my God. The writing is just, I couldn't with the writing. I couldn't. Um, so that unfortunately made me really dislike the protagonist. I just think the actor did a great performance. But the writing that comes out of his mouth, he's just—I think he's just doing the best of what he's got there. Um, it just—it just was just shit. I was just like, this is so trash. But I watched all of it. I watched all eight episodes. Uh, eight or—I think eight or ten, but I think it was eight. But I watched all eight episodes, and then there's a season two now, so I got to watch a season two because of what I've seen in season one. I don't know if I'll even—I don't know. Do I need to watch season two? I mean, do I have to? But I don't know. There's a season two coming, um, based off the ending. I thought the ending was ridiculous and stupid. Um, I didn't like him. I didn't like Beck. I just despised Beck. I think I hated Beck more than him, really. Um, didn't like her friends. I think it was Peach. Yeah, she was insufferable. She's one of the most insufferable characters I've ever seen, I've ever seen on screen, and I wanted her to die very quickly. Um, but yeah, it's a, you can tell it's one of those shows. I mean, it's, it's done by the producers of Riverdale and um, all those CW shows. So, I mean, it doesn't really surprise me, but it's just really bad writing. And even Riverdale, I think, has better writing than this. Um, but again, I don't watch Riverdale, but I just... This writing was just bad. It's just really bad. And I just... It just stuck out like a sore thumb. The dialogue was just... The dialogue coming out of these mouths, these characters' mouths, I just, I just wanted them all to just to die. I just wanted them all just to, to, to die and get off, just get off the screen, or maybe finish this series in like five episodes. <laughs> and the ending was just so lackluster and stupid, and just, I guess, predictable. Very bad. Um, 
so yeah that's you and Netflix I mean watch it if you want <laughs> I guess um, next series is uh, Broadchurch um, now I've never I'm not up to date so I think I believe there's three seasons of it not to date, but I'm always I'm always in the mood for a um, well, I'm not always in the mood for it, but I'm always up for a kind of detective mystery, um, you know, who done it kind of thing. And David Tennant and Olivia Coleman as the lead actors for this for this uh, series. Yes, please, let's have it. Um, so I watched the first season of Broadchurch, and I'm on the season two now. I watched the first season of Broadchurch, and it's. It's so good. It was so good. Um, it had a, an ending that I didn't see coming. Um, really strong finale. And just great performances from David Tennant and the Livy Coleman. The chemistry between them is great. Um, you can tell them that, you know, a friendship really um, has grown between them on set because they're just their chemistry. When they're, whenever they're on screen together, I just loved it. I loved it whenever they're on screen together, even when they were fighting with each other. Uh, I just loved it. I loved the mystery of um, um, who killed this 11-year-old boy named Danny. Um, so the plot of the show is, which I'll get to right now, and I've kind of kind of given you a bit of a tease, is uh, in this small town where everybody knows each other, uh, there's this 11-year-old kid named Danny, and he gets, he just disappears. And then it find, you find out that he's been murdered. Um, because, I mean, it says it in the plot on anything you'd see on on Netflix. It'll tell you there's been murdered, so I'm not really spoiling anything because that is the, actually the plot of the show. But it is to find out who did it and working their, you know, working your way to, like, you know, narrowing down characters and saying, oh, watch those motherfuckers right there because they're shifty little shits. Um, but the, th the thing that really struck me the most is the concept of it is the, I really like, um... TV shows or movies that have to take place in a small town and you have all these people that know each other and then they eventually slowly turn, turn on each other and then there's just conflict within this small town that was so peaceful before but then been um, kind of disrupted by this um, tragic uh, occur, um, occur? <laughs> occurrence. <laughs> and that's why I like Hot Fuzz so much. Um... And I've always wanted to do something that re that was relating to a small town kind of mystery, that where people are questioning each other and finding out what's been going on. Because you trust all these people that have been in this town, and everybody, everybody in this show in Broadchurch, the town's called Broadchurch, by the way. Everybody in Broadchurch know knows each other, and it's like it's slowly like a game of Clue, um, where they're just kind of just thinking like. So what was done and what was... Here's all the evidence and everything. I mean, for the episodes, there's more evidence that builds up. There's more suspects that build up. And then you get to the really awesome finale. And uh, I was very satisfied with season one of Broadchurch. Very satisfied. And interested to see what they do in season two. Um, I thought they could have just finished with that in season one. But I'm interested to see what they do in season two. There's three seasons. So I don't even know what's to take place... Um, after season two, but I know what's going to kind of happen in season two, so, but I'm not going to spoil it, but um, I'm interested to see what they do with it. Um, I'll be getting back onto that very soon. I've just got a few more movies to see. 
and I'll be getting back onto that soon. I've also got a few shows to watch as well. I've got um, Russian Doll, I think, I've got to watch as well. And then I'm in the middle of Sex Education. So, watching that, but I can't talk about that because I'm in the middle of those um, shows, so I couldn't talk about them here. And also, they both... Um, oh, when did Sex Education come out? That probably came out in January, but I didn't watch it until uh, yesterday. But yeah, definitely check that out. If you're a fan of Olivia Coleman, if you're a fan of uh, David Tennant, if you're a fan of just UK kind of BBC dramas, and you like a, it's a mystery that takes place in a small town where you people, you know, get along, and then eventually shit happens, and shit, and uh, they start suspecting each other, and you want a really nice mystery, um, definitely check out Broadchurch. It's um very very good. Uh, moving on to season two of The Punisher. Uh, so just a little, just quick thoughts. Um, I thought it was better than season one. It has definitely has more action than season one. Um, the character of um, Amy that we meet. Um, I mean, she's in the posters or anything, so I'm not really spoiling anything. But she's in the posters and everything, and the plot of the plot of the first episode. And uh, you know, I didn't like her at first. Thought she was kind of not useful. And then you find out why she's useful later, and uh, I liked her more, and especially liked her kind of chemistry with, um, I believe the, I don't know what the act, actor's name is, but she gets along really well. Her chemistry with John Bernthal is great, and I loved their back and forth in the later episodes of the season. Um, really, I thought it was a strong opening. It kind of went down a bit, like we're kind of like going up and down a bit in the, in the after two, three, four, and then we start getting back to five, um, two, three, four, five, really. And then after five, I think I was like, loved it from five to 13. Um, loved it. John Bernthal's even better. Um, I thought Madani was a bit weaker in this season. I thought she was better in season one. I thought she was a bit weaker in this season. Uh, uh, Billy Russo, great. Great. Um, loved that they did with him. And, uh, yeah, more violence, more brutality. Loved it. Loved the fights. It's always got great fights. Um, I was just, I was just a bit disappointed because, because there's a character you meet in the first episode and then it's not really talked about ever again, really, throughout the whole season. And I don't know, I liked her and I thought there was something going to happen with that character and then it doesn't really, uh, I don't know, nothing's really done about it. So, I, I, I don't really. I thought something something was going to something was going to happen because it's it, it's kind of setting up something with them, but um, nothing really happens. So I was kind of let down by that, and I thought she um, that character would come back. And yeah, and just I think the villain. Um, I thought the other villain, uh, John Pilgrim. I just thought he was just like, I don't know. I don't really care about him. I don't really. I don't buy villains that just do bad shit and spout Bible verses. I just don't buy that. Um, I don't really feel like they're fleshed out characters, um, and, and I'm not putting anything on like on on the faith or like you know pertaining to him. He's Christ, um, Christian, and he talks about the Bible a lot. But he just like does. He just kills people and just spouts Bible verses, and I was just I just don't doesn't really connect with me. And I just don't buy them as a, being a real person, I think. And I know the Punisher is just, it's, it's the Punisher, based off a fucking comic, for God's sake. But, 
I just, I don't know. Wasn't a fan of him. And I just, any time a villain, I mean, I've seen countless villains that just do shit and spout Bible verses, and it just doesn't work. And I don't like it. But um, overall, I will say I was very happy with The Punisher Season 2, thought it was better than Season 1. Um, more action, more character development for uh, Frank, and a really, really badass Episode 3, I believe, was the one when they're in the, um, they're in a uh, police station, that's all I'll say. Very badass episode for a fucking third episode of the season. Very badass episode. I know I said it kind of dowers there. I think I meant like four and five and six, I think. And then it just gets better at the end. But that third episode was great. Probably one of my favorite episodes of that season. Um, but yeah, if you like season one, you'll definitely like season two. Um, I know that some people who even like season one, they didn't like season two at all. But I just think like, I don't know. I think you'll definitely find something to get out of Season 2 of The Punisher. And finally, uh, the Ted Bundy tapes. Um, it's I believe it's called Conversations of a Serial Killer, the Ted Bundy tapes. This has been... It's really weird, the timing of this, because this was released around Sundance. And then at Sundance was um, Wickedly Evil... Um, wickedly... What is it? Wait, wicked? Wickedly? <laughs> extremely, that's extremely wicked. I had to, had to come to my head. Extremely wicked, shockingly evil, and vile. And uh, that's got the, it's the Zac Efron playing Ted Mundy, blah, blah, blah. You know what it is. It's it's fucking trending everywhere. So uh, I watched the, because I, I knew who Ted Bundy was, and I knew some things that he did, but I didn't know the whole story. So I wanted to familiarize myself with the whole story and find out what he did. I thought I nearly escaped a few times from prison, and I knew he killed uh, close to thirty women. And then I found out more shit throughout this docu this docu series, which is fantastic, by the way. Um, this man is just like, I mean, serial killers in general to me are like not to sound morbid, but they're just interesting to to kind of kind of see what goes through their head um for example i fucking loved mindhunter um and i'm really excited for season two um you know you, you've got the serial podcast as well which admittedly i haven't um listened to too much but um i just always think that um zodiac for example is one of my favorite movies from david fincher the zodiac killer is one of my is a very fascinating figure even though he doesn't deserve to be obviously praised, um, I just think it's very fascinating. I, I just think it's it's you can you can at least say that, it, that these are people are just you're fascinated by what they went through their head and what propels them to to commit these extremely violent actions um, and commit these just unspeakable acts. Um, but that's why I wanted like you know you've got like the books like the psychopath test um and then you've got the um what was I talking what, what that movie I watched the the Stanford Prison Experiment even though it's not about serial killers how just the psychology of someone can just change and then how they behave and um treat people um but yeah, back to the docuseries. Um, it's, it was released in the same time event Sundance. And it's funny because it's the same guy who's directing the actual film that Zach Raffron is in, um, Joe Berlinger. 
he actually directed this docuseries and then I did a little bit of research and found out he's actually done a few docuseries he's done a lot actually so he knows what he's talking about so before I get into the do- the actual tapes talking about the actual TV series I want to just talk about I want to just address the the con the uh, controversy happening right now with that trailer uh, the uh, Extremely Wicked, Chocolate Evil, Vile trailer that came out. That, with the rock music and all that stuff. Yes. It's weirdly, it's, it's uh, you know, it's weird, it's off-putting because it's kind of playing as like a kind of uh, dark comedy kind of thing. But I just think that to sell a product, you need to obviously do your marketing and you need to do it well to try to get butts and seats. Now, you've got the psychos. Yeah, I've I've... I know there is people out there that actually glamorize their serial killers and, um, you know, romanticize them and think they're very attractive and and actually uh, are comfortable with what they've done. And uh, those people are just, uh, yeah, I don't know. They need to get checked out, really. (laughs) Maybe they're the next serial killers. Um, but yeah, those, yeah, I don't agree with that at all. I just think, yeah, those people are kind of giving it a bad name of just kind of people saying that this trailer is actually a good trailer because I I think it is a good trailer. I think it's, um, it shows who Ted Bundy was. He was a very charming person. He was a very, um, manipulative person. The trailer is very manipulative in you thinking that, oh, this is going to be a, you know, when you think about it, you've already been manipulated in thinking that it's going to be a dark comedy because of by the trailer. And I just think that it's it's kind of showing off the personality of Ted Bundy through um, tools and making a trailer. And uh, anyone who's saying that this is romanticizing it, I don't believe he's going to be romanticizing it. The guy who made the docuseries, he paints him in a bad light. He says he does all this bad shit. He's done all these series before. He knows what he's talking about. Um, he... He has said that he's gotten innocent people that have not been um, not committed murder to get them off uh, death row and everything, and um, uh, relieve them of the crimes that have been committed, and having the right person that did those crimes back in jail. So he doesn't just think that serial killers need to be, you know, of, you know, they need to be, uh, uh, what is it, uh, redeemed. He knows. I think. I believe he knows what he's doing. I mean, I haven't seen the film, but I'm, I'm just guessing that the film is not going to be like the trailer. It's going to be kind of like that at the beginning. I mean, and you're going to get. Obviously, it's going to go bad at the end. Like the guy is. It just shows how how he was as a person. The guy was extremely narcissistic. I mean, he 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 he, he represented himself in court. I mean, how much more narcissistic can you get than that? Fired both of two of his lawyers and represented himself in court. That is a level of narcissism that is just. I mean, it's it's the peak, really. It's the peak when you're trying to you're getting tried for murder. People are trying to help you kind of get a shorter sentence, and you're going, ah, "Fuck it, I'm I'm the best. I'm the best cunt. I can get myself off this with my own intelligence and charm." And admittedly, there are girls in that courtroom that are still kind of in love with him. And they think, you know, they're, they're, they're attracted to him even though he's done these things. And, you know, there's a few interviews in the docuseries that say that, the, you know, oh, he's like, I know what he's done, but he's so hot. 
and uh, yeah, the questionable people, those ones. But um, I'm just here to say that like it's a product that needs to be marketed. I believe it's going to be not like that at all. Um, it'll probably be during that, maybe from his perspective, but the film is going to be from the perspective of Liz Klepfer, who was a person that he was with, who had a child for a long time. He was committing the murders while he was with her, so we're getting it from her perspective. And I don't believe... I mean, at first she saw him in a good light, but then obviously it's going to go downhill, and he's it's going to start, you know, changing, and then just start going, oh, fuck, this dude's dangerous. So I just think the people that are doing that are just thinking that. I think you're stupid to believe that, and I think you're just... You, I mean, the trailer worked. It's a marketing tool. It's worked. You're manipulated into thinking that it's going to be a dark comedy. So it worked. I believe it. And that's all I've got to say about the trailer. Uh, to the docuseries. Very well done docuseries. I watched four, all four episodes in um, one sitting. Um, because I, I was going to watch two. And they're about an hour long. And um, I thought it was going to be like six or eight, but it's only four. I was going to watch two, and then it was like starting to get around two o'clock. And I was like, no, fuck, I need to finish this. So I get to the end, and then the fourth episode is um, just a bit of a warning. It's The fourth episode is the longest one. It's about an hour and 20 minutes, I think. Or around there, maybe an hour and fifteen. Um, but it's long. It's the longest one of the lot. But it also it deals with like the final incidents and like the court proceedings and everything and his um, uh, his sentencing. So it d- deals with a lot of that. I just thought it was uh, a lot of. There's a lot of information, but you get a lot of conversations from him himself. There's uh, some people that go into his cell and interview him, so you get a lot of things from him himself, and. Uh, it was interesting to see that he would give himself up by um, going with the strategy that uh, they, these interviewers kind of um, set up. And he actually kind of, I don't know, it's hard to say that he fell for it, but he actually went with it and he was uh, thinking that, you know, if I do it like this, then they're not going to suspect anything when the whole time it's really, he's just pretty much confessing, but in a different perspective. And I just thought it was very, very fascinating. I was hooked from beginning to end, from episode one to episode four. I was absolutely hooked. And uh, if you want to watch a good docu-series, Ted Bundy is the one for you. And he's one of the most notorious serial killers. It's, And if you're interested in that kind of stuff, serial killers and um, true crime dramas, uh, this is the next best thing. This is the new this is the new fresh thing. It's, it's a lovely... Um, it's not a time waster. You find a lot of things. You're, it's very interesting. There's another one, I believe, as well, called Inducted, Adopted in Plain Sight, which I think he did as well. Joe Billinger did as well. And it's on Netflix as well, but I haven't checked that out yet. But um, if you want something to watch, I definitely recommend uh, Conversations of a Serial Killer, the Ted Bundy tapes. Uh, give it a go. So that's enough for TV shows. Um, let's go back to the movies. Let's go back to the movies. Let's go to the top three. Uh, this movie I haven't really talked about yet. Uh, I was going to save it for this episode. It's called Standoff at Sparrow Creek. It's uh, written and directed by a fellow named Henry Dunham. And um, it stars James Badge Dale, um, Brian Garrity, Patrick Fisher, Happy Anderson, Robert Mayer, and Gene Jones, and Chris Mulkey. They, they, are, they are playing your kind of your, your uh, main ensemble here. 
you've got you've got uh, seven guys, and uh, pretty much the plot is a a shooting happens at a police funeral, and these kind of cops who used to be cops, they're now militia militia, militia guys, local militia. Uh, group, they get together in a warehouse, an abandoned warehouse, I believe it's a lumber mill, and they get together and they try to find out, it's a murder mystery, they um, kind of, not murder mystery, but kind of, it's a mystery, they kind of have to find out who did the shooting, and it happens to be one of those guys, one of these guys, but they got to find out, and through process of elimination, find out who is the shooter. Now, that's an interesting enough premise but how does it play out? Um, I thought this movie was great. Um, it's really well done work by Henry Dunham. It's very, it's very precise. It's very thought out. I, I, I just saw it's like every, I mean, it looks, people have been saying that it's kind of cheap looking. It looks like it's shot on a phone. I mean, I highly disagree. Uh, it's got really nice shots, very nice use of interior wides, shadows, silhouettes. Um, I think it was it played those kind of shots played with the intrigue and the, and the tension of the film. Um, it's very tight. It's only about uh, hour and twenty five minutes, and uh, it's got great dialogue. It does falter at times, but it's got good dialogue. It keeps you intrigued, and um, the in, the kind of the one on one scenes, your two handers that you get with because there's a lot of um, interrogation scenes, a lot of uh, uh, kind of what do you, what would you call it? Um, coercion from the main character with his his friends, and there's a lot of cool two handers and back and forth between these guys. Um, it's it's kind of a it's it's I'd say it's mostly a bottle film like you think like Free Fire from I believe it was twenty seventeen. Um, if you think like Free Fire, like that was like outside the warehouse and it mostly took place in the warehouse and this mostly takes place in this lumber mill. So I'd, I'd label it a bottle film. There's a few flashback sequences, but there's, I'd label it as a bottle film. Um, and I just, I liked, it's a good look at uh, uh, loneliness, I think, especially for the main character. I mean, I really love James Badgedale's performance as um, Gannon. He's a really great character actor. And um, his performance of, as uh, Gannon here is um, really, really great. Not many people know who James Badgedale is, but he, because he always plays like the military man or the cop, but he always does it so well, and the characters are so different each time, and he's just a really, really good character actor, and I love watching him. Um, so definitely keep your eye out for him, James Badgedale. If you ever see him on any cast list, you know it's going to be good. Um, he was he, he recently did an, a film along with. Uh, uh, Stand Up at Sparrow Creek which was uh, Hold the Dark I think it was um, Jeremy Solnia's film from last year uh, yeah it was Hold the Dark and then he had Donnybrook as well so he did three films last year uh, oh he did shit he did four films last year Little Woods Donnybrook Stand Up at Sparrow Creek Hold the Dark and then uh, he was he's now been uh casted in this TV series called Hightown um, which is about the opioid epidemic but uh, I just think he's a great character actor I really love watching him on screen he was really really good in this Stand Off at Sparrow Creek he was really really good in this and um, 
it's again it's it's nice it's tight it's tense it spits fast and uh, it's got a good little twist at the end I'll say that yeah it's got a, it's got a little twist at the end that I I didn't see coming and um, I just really love the use of um, wides shadows and silhouettes and it really really um, builds in that tension of the film there's a really really great shot where it has there's four roller doors and they have got I think they've both got AR-15s I think they've all got AR-15 rifles and they run towards the roller doors and there's a policeman like walking past and they each time a policeman walks past one of the doors they move on to the next door and it's just really really it's really it's really nicely done um, and the shots look like they're done very statically there's one now my only flaw is this it's really it's really really well thought out and you, you can tell I just I'm just I'm picturing when I watch the movie I'm just picturing the shot list and I, I just think that it would, would have been so so well thought out by the director and um, and the cinematographer and it's very precise and I know exactly what he wants but there's just this one shot in the uh, in the final minutes of the movie uh, which it goes to handheld for some reason and I just thought that broke the consistency of the film so you know it, people could say that that's used to kind of relay what is happening in that scene but I just thought it broke the consistency I think it could have been done with a nice wide but um, yeah I didn't like that handheld shot but other people would have thought it was okay but it just wasn't for me but I'll just say that Stand Off at Sparrow Creek is a really it's really really well done for an independent film and um even better than your most blockbusters you see nowadays. Big type, but um, big high budgets. This is a low budget independent film that works really, really well in terms of tension and uh, intrigue, and it has a really finishes off with a really, really good twist and a great performance from James Bajdale. And that's why it's uh, number three of January. The standoff at Sparrow Creek. If you get a hand, if you get a chance to see it, definitely, definitely check it out. Um, is it coming out here in Australia? No, see, it's not even coming out here. Um, definitely, definitely, definitely watch it. Number two is uh, Blind Spotting. Now, I talked about Blind Spotting uh, recently, I think. And, uh, you know, I watched the trailer and I thought it was really weird and awkward. And I was just like, yeah, I don't know if I'm down for this. And uh, I was really, really, I really fucking loved it. It was so good. Um, it felt like a Shakespeare story told in Oakland, very modern. Um, has a really great rap scene towards the end. Has a really great scene involving the use of the N-word in it. I love the chemistry between Raphael and uh, David Diggs. Really love David Diggs. And I saw him again in <laughs> Velvet Buzzsaw. His character was better, obviously, in this movie. But um, I really liked David Diggs. And I really loved what Carlos Lopez Estrada was, did with this movie. And I can't wait to see what he does next. Um, but this movie, if I watched this movie last year, as I said, it would definitely make my top 10 because it was really fucking good. And um, I'm looking forward to a rewatch. And uh, yeah, number one is The House That Jack Built. Um, it's my favorite. I think now I'm going to say it. It's my favorite Lars film. And um, I, I really had to have a think about that. That and, that and Melancholia. I had to really think about that. But... I can now say yes. It's my favorite Lars film. It, it does. It's got its uh, problems. It's got. A, it's got me issues that I've already talked about. They've already, already addressed. Um, but I really love it, and um, 
I don't know if I'm watching it anytime soon because of the length, but um, really, really, really enjoyed it. And uh, you, you know my thoughts on that. You know my thoughts on it. So I don't need to get into that one. And that's it. We did it. That is the everything. That is everything. Everything I watched in January. We actually got through it in an hour. <laughs> Would you believe it? That is everything I watched in January. Um, if there any anything strikes your fancy in that list, um, definitely I would definitely encourage you to check it out. I mean, even the top five here. If I wanted to give you one that I think would be that I think most people would like, it's definitely Blind Spotting and the Standoff at Sparrow Creek. Um, those two would definitely I think that people should check out. Um, and Lars fans need to watch The House of Jack Built. I know a few Lars fans haven't seen it yet, and they need to watch The House of Jack Built. But uh, yeah, Blind Spotting and Standoff at Sparrow Creek I think are my most accessible options here for audiences. So definitely check those movies out um, and. Check out the check out the TV shows. Uh, except you, I mean, you can check it if you want to, but I don't really recommend it that much. But um, really recommend Board Church. If you love season one of Punisher, check out season two of Punisher and the docu series, the Ted Bundy serial killer tapes. Very, very, very fascinating and very um, interesting to uh, listen to as well. Find out the inner workings of a this really fucked up dude <laughs> that uh, committed a lot of violent acts against um, just yeah very unfortunate acts against these uh, what, what over 30 women I mean horrible absolutely horrible but uh, yeah that's it just uh, look forward to February we'll be talking about um, look forward to March sorry we're talking about all of February's movies um, next week I'm hoping to talk about Velvet Buzzsaw Dan Gorey's new movie that came out on February 1st with my boy Jake Gyllenhaal and uh, I mean Rene Russo was great in it too uh, but got a got a bit to say about that um, got a bit to say about that had a lot of think about I had to write the thoughts down um, and I got a bit to say about that will I watch Green Book? well you can find out next week <laughs> will I get around to watching Green Book? I, I don't know um what can I say? Yeah, uh, follow me on Instagram if you want to um, find out what I'm what I'm doing. I'm just gonna plug my letterbox as well. You can go on Letterboxd and see what I'm. I'm gonna start doing my what I've seen already this year. I've got to update what I've saw last year as well. But I'll be doing again. I'll be doing everything I watched in 2019, and that'll be getting updated. I mean, now we have what like ten films already, and um, yeah, check that out. Follow me there. I post. I don't post pretty much every film I watch, but most movies that I see, I do put a little little tiny review there. Sometimes I get in depth if I love it, if I love it and have a lot of thoughts about it. But I do post most of my thoughts on Letterboxd. Um, it's a great community of film lovers there. There's a few shit posters um, every every now and then, but it's a great community of film lovers, and it's a great place to kind of talk to other, other people that are you know, like-minded and want to um, are passionate about the same thing. So if you're a film lover and you love film, um, how weird was that to say? <laughs> if you're if you're a um, person who really, if you consider yourself a film buff and you really love film, and you love seeing people talk about it and getting into forums, Letterbox is for you. Get on there, make an account. It's free. I mean, my, mine's on a pro, but um, I'm I'm on a free account. It's free. Log all your movies down. Get chatting to people and talking about film. 
because it's great. And uh, yeah, check me out on Instagram. Check out my public page on Facebook, Kyle Cruz Public. Don't add my personal one. I will not add you back. Um, and uh, most of the updates are posted on there. And uh, I'll see you next week. How about that? I'll see you next week. You'll uh, I'll be talking about uh, yeah, Velvet Buzzsaw and perhaps Green Book. I don't know. We don't know about Green Book yet. That is the biggest mystery. We don't know about Green Book yet, but I'll be definitely talking about Velvet Buzzsaw, and um, I've got a lot of things to say about that, so looking forward to doing that next week. All right, guys, enjoy the rest of your week. Stay safe, and uh, yeah, I'll talk to you next week.